Welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. Dyson's here this week. Hi. And this is Dark Adaptation. Did you guess what? Guess what? What? This is episode 10. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Our little podcast is growing up. Double digits. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for sticking it out with us. Yeah, we made it. And we're retiring. Goodbye. Yeah, that was a long run. <laughs> Get the hell out. Short and sweet. Guess what else? What? We're on Twitter now. Yeah, we're also on Twitter. I succumbed and made a Twitter account. So if you got some angry shit to tweet at us, make it real political. And make hash- it political. Come, come at us and then add us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. at dark adapt pod. Because it's so, it has to be like so short. Oh, yeah. And Dark Adaptation was already taken, so it just kept trying to give me weird digits to put. Yeah, if we have any followers out there, just report that Dark (laughs) Adaptation. I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) Don't do that. I don't want to be liable for that. I'm sure they're nice people. Well, I didn't check, but who knows? Dark Adapt Pod. It's probably some troll account. (laughs) Probably. How you doing, Vlad? You don't mind to call your dad. Oh, uh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> don't talk about him. I don't. He's literally on a warpath. Yeah, well, yeah. Come at me, bro. 1v1 me. Rust. 1v1. Let's go. Uh, Skobad. Skobad. Scud missiles. Actually, you know what? Golden eye slappers only. And no odd job. What can we put the cheats on and make your, you know, how you can like make your head really, really big? Oh, bobblehead cheat? Yeah. Yeah, it's required. <laughs> He's already got one, but I can get one. And then, and then you can be like that little guy, the little dude. And it's like so much easier to shoot up at people. Yeah. Fuck yep. their day up. <laughs> Goldeneye was the best. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And the, and the music. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, so good. On last week, I'm pretty sure I talked about or I mentioned Nirvana the band the show. And they have an episode where it's like a speed run of going through Goldeneye. Yep. And Matt is like, Well, I'd need Jay to get through this so he essentially like gets him addicted to meth. <laughs> so that he oh can't God. sleep. And he's just, just like sitting there zoned in, focused doing this Goldeneye speed run. Yep. It's so funny. Have you seen that episode? I don't think I've seen that one. Oh my god. No. I love that show. It is so funny. <laughs> god bless them. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the one where they were addicted to coffee and then they had a show on a, a parade float, I think, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they wanted to. That, oh yeah, that's the bean. It's called the, yeah, the bean. bean. And they try coffee for the first time and they can't sleep, obviously, because they've just been chugging coffee and then at the end of the episode they realize they can't sleep and they're like oh i know why it's because we're excited (laughs) (laughs) we're excited for santa yeah (laughs) so fucking funny everyone has to watch that show if they haven't it's a great show wasn't it on youtube to begin with too yeah it was like a web series yeah. yeah i was like um 2007 i think it was a long time ago golden Golden, it was the heyday of uh, YouTube web series. It was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're OGs. Yeah. You had red versus blue back then, too. I think that was like, well, no. I don't know what that is. Oh, it was like a, it was like a Halo. Oh, okay. Thing. Yeah. I wasn't ever really like watching YouTube. 
Huh? I was like, I was ruining my family computer with LimeWire. <laughs> right, <laughs> You'd right. You'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm going to download this this song. Oh my goodness, look at all these Fallout Boy songs. And then you download it and you'd be like, this sounds a little bit different, but I I guess maybe it's just earlier Fallout Boy. I don't know. So you have to go online and Google the lyrics to see, is this actually Fallout Boy? And it was always Panic at the Disco. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, for fuck's sakes. Yeah. You can't they all ju- look the same anyway. You can't though. just like pull out your phone and be like, Shazam, what song Shaz- is this? Shazam and Shaq comes out. <laughs> First of all, it's Kazam. And second of all, that's that's Panic at the Disco. <laughs> I would know. I'm Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts pitching you one of the god knows what product he has a deal with at that point yeah the man is like rub a535 yeah. and everyone knows it use a535 here buy these ink cartridges they're like special they last a year yeah uh get t- fucking shaw direct or whatever i don't fucking you cash know. in on the keurig stuff probably. Yeah, probably did probably. you like my did you like my shaquille o'neal voice hi i'm shaquille o'neal <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Shaq in the room? You want to see something funny? Look at my voice. Oh, hi, <laughs> I'm Shaquille O'Neal. Ow, that hurts so much. Yeah, it's a lot of work being me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine being around you. Like <laughs> 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 I'm butthead over here. He's laughing like, oh, or... <laughs> and he has meat, kubasa meat sweats. Yeah. I still couldn't. If someone asked me how to pronounce that, it's still kibasa. You know what? Let's not talk about it. Yeah. You want to talk about something else? Yes. Are you? Do you want to hear the story chosen by our lovely, amazing, beautiful Instagram followers? Oh, yeah. More than anything in the world. Great. <laughs> it was. Okay. That's probably going to pick up. It is, I don't know what is going on. Okay. I apologize in advance if you hear any sort of like weird whistling or rustling or whatever. It's like really, really windy here. So just ignore it. Okay. No, just ignore it. Just ignore it. Ugh. There it is. We had paused and he knew that it wasn't going to happen. I was waiting for a solid minute. Just waiting for that to come up. And I just figured, no, it's passed. No. This is a stark adaptation. It is not an official episode if someone doesn't burp. Yeah, it's usually like it's usually five or six. It's usually me. <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah, it's usually you. <laughs> they don't know that. Belchie McGee. Usually, usually turn to the side. <laughs> okay. It was Saturday, January 18th, 2003, when 16-year-old Sandra and 15-year-old Beth drowned their alcoholic mother, 43-year-old Linda, in the bathtub of their Williamsport Drive townhouse in Mississauga. The girls plied their mother with vodka, drugged her with Tylenol 3s, commonly known as T3s, so I'm going to call it that from now on, and staged the scene to appear like an accidental drowning. Initially, the staged scene fooled the police, who considered the death to be an accidental drowning. Sandra and Beth got away with the crime for over a year, until a young man went to the police with information that Linda's death wasn't an accident. It was a calculated, cold-blooded murder committed by her own daughters. Sandra and Beth would go on to be known as the Bathtub Girls, and they'd be the first sisters in Canada's history to be convicted of first-degree murder.
Around lunchtime on January 18th, 2003, the sisters began giving their mother vodka in order to get her drunk. They wanted to get Linda as intoxicated as possible so she couldn't resist their attack. They also gave Linda six T3 tablets to slow her heart rate. T3 is a combination of acetaminophen and codeine, and some of the side effects of combining any opioid medicine with alcohol is drowsiness and shallow, slowed, or stopped breathing. While Sandra and Beth waited for the drug and alcohol cocktail to work, they communicated with their friends online, one of whom ended their conversation with the phrase, well, good luck, wear gloves. No. Mm-hmm. Like, the, okay, so when you communicated, they just straight up were like, I'm going to kill my mom now. Yeah. And people were cool with that. Yeah. It, it, it becomes a, a big deal later, but yeah, it's crazy, though. Literally, good luck, wear gloves. Yeah. I mean, it's good It's good advice, WSIB <laughs> advice right there, but you got a shiny, bright career ahead of you in that. But. FAQs. I'm going to kill my mom. Should I wear gloves? And goggles. <laughs> Always goggles. Jesus if you're going to be on a louder. It's like she was telling her fucking science teacher. <laughs> Good luck. Wear gloves. Sandra and Beth filled the bathtub with water and took Linda to the bathroom. Linda had difficulty getting into the tub because of the mixture of vodka and pills she had been given. So after putting on latex glove at the advice of her very nice, helpful friend... Sandra and Beth helped their mother into the tub and gave her a massage. Sandra instructed her mother to lie on her stomach so that she could scrub her back. And then Sandra used her gloved hand, pushed her mother's head under the water, and set a timer for four minutes. Really? When she finally released... She had a timer? Yeah, she did. Like, was it like an eggshell timer? I don't know what it was because there is like this movie that is like supposed to be based on this and they in the in the movie the girls use a timer Mm -hmm. to count down like the four minutes and one of the girls sandra she says like oh the movie sucked but it did get that get one thing right the we did use a timer oh my god yeah also i i didn't the the gloves like She's did the mom not go, hmm, that's fucking weird that you're wearing gloves while, while I, I'm in the tub here. I mean, you'd think, but that? I think she was literally out of her gourd. Oh, yeah. Because they just kept hammer. giving her vodka and she had six T3 tablets. She's probably oh, yeah. fucking okay. high and just drunk, like, woo, bathtub. A, the time of her life. And it's your two kids. Like, you're not, what, you're not going to think that they're going to try and fucking kill you. Yeah, yeah. Ideally, that's, that's what yeah. they don't do. You'd hope not, anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they fucking set the timer for four minutes, and then when she finally released her mother's head, she was dead. With their mother dead, Sandra and Beth, you know, what do you do after you murder your mother? Well, you you obviously go out with your boyfriend and your friends, and you. You go and celebrate at Jack Astor's restaurants in Mississauga Square One. No. Shopping center. They went to Jack Astor's. They went to Jack Astor's. What do you think they got? Probably like, they're like, do you want to just get a couple apps, appetizers and share? Should we just share appetizers? Uh, yeah, we should share. But uh, we Actually, I'm, I'm not really that hungry. And then the boyfriend was like, okay, well, I'll get 
probably like a fucking chicken parm. And then, chicken parm. And then they were all like, can I have some fries? And he's like, no, you guys said you're not hungry. When, well, we we just we shared spinach dip and it wasn't enough. The audacity to go kill your mother and then go out to dinner and still <laughs> and still enact the girlfriend tax. That's ridiculous. <laughs> the absolute gumption, the gall on those bitches. I can't believe these women. Kill your mother, that's one thing. Steal your boyfriend's fries. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they did this, you know, to celebrate because they're fucked, but also as like an alibi. That's a shit alibi. What do you mean? It's Jack Astor's. It's an amazing way to spend your Saturday in Mississauga Square One. But, it, but it doesn't even cover up. Like <laughs> I know. you can do one and then the other. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my God, she died at five PM. Yeah, well, good thing I have this receipt for the convenience store at six. <laughs> Checkmate. We're dealing with the Ontario police here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when they did finally return home later that night, Sandra and Beth called 911. And in what is like consistently described as an Oscar-worthy performance, they informed the police that they had just come home and found their mother lying in the bathtub. And I actually submitted a freedom of information request to try and get the 911 call. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they say. Yeah. I'm going to just prepare you for that. It's going to pro if you, if that gets approved, which uh, fingers crossed, mm -hmm. they usually take like nine to like 15 months. It, well, they have to at least answer within 30 days. Yeah. To say they're working on it. I don't care if I get it. I get it. Yeah. My goodness, you're a fucking party pooper. I know. It's because I filed a few of them before and I know that they just don't want to do it. I know that. I read all about it so I could file the, the request, but yeah. Jesus Christ, Sorry. Dickles. Dickles with the, with the uh, downer over here. Yeah, dick downy Downer Dickles. Downer Dickles. So yeah, I don't deputy know. Deputy Downer Dickles. Okay, I'm not giving you deputy status. Why not? Unless you're working for the Ontario police. I thought it kind of worked if I was Deputy Dickles and you were the attractive shut, young shut, journalist shut who's mouth. making some shut FOI requests. Shut, shut your mouth. Scream reference. Ow! <laughs> Pinch me. I know it was a scream reference. Listen, just shut up and say, oh, I can't wait to hear all about this request that hopefully gets approved and they actually send you the call. Because no, I've never heard it. I can't find it anywhere. And if it's supposedly so Oscar-worthy, I want to hear it. Yeah, it'll be really big if you get it. So we'll see. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. So the 911 operator told Sandra and Beth to take their mother out of the bathtub and begin performing CPR. And the sisters were like crying hysterically over the phone. They were telling the operator that they were doing their best, but Linda couldn't be resuscitated. And as previously mentioned, when police did arrive and talk to the girls, they believed their story. And it was ruled an accidental drowning of an alcoholic. And a pathologist determined the cause of death was drowning. And analysis of Linda's bodily fluids disclosed very high levels of alcohol and codeine and acetaminophen. Gee, wonder why. Mm -hmm. And with that, Linda was buried at Assumption Catholic Cemetery in Mississauga, Ontario. And her daughters continued on with their lives. 
hold on a fucking minute here. I have a question. Okay. How the fuck did we get here? How the fuck did we get to the point where they're just going right into the drowning? You just started with the drowning. Can't you can't you can't lead us with the drowning? All right, all right. So you, yeah. what are you saying here? You want some background information? You I, want some context? Yeah, I want context. So there isn't much information available about Linda's background. Um, I found that she was born on April fifth, nineteen fifty nine, in Poland. And as a young woman, she she took like flying lessons, and she seemed to really really enjoy it. And she emigrated to Mississauga in presumably the 1980s at some point. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Linda got married and had two daughters, Sandra and Beth, you know, those beauties. Unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but she ended up raising the girls as a single mother after her husband left the family when the girls were still really young. Mm-hmm. And Linda suffered from depression and like a lot of people do, she self-medicated with alcohol. Yep. And it was most likely exacerbated by having to work multiple jobs to support the family. She eventually began dating or remarried. Um, It's reported differently. Mm -hmm. And with this person, she had a third child, this time a son. So Sandra and Beth have a little half-brother. Their relationship was troubled because her husband was also an alcoholic. Oh, no. uh, Except he was prone to violence. So he was very abusive. Great. Yeah, a drunk, a, a drunk guy prone to violence. That's yeah. new. Very original. Very original. Very original. And in 2001, they actually split up because he was convicted of domestic violence and drunk driving offenses. This is a piece of work. I know. So then with having to, like, splitting up from him, she had to go back to working multiple jobs to support her and her three kids but she continued to drink steadily and heavily. And Sandra and Beth claim that when their stepfather or mother's boyfriend, whatever the fuck he is, left the picture, they believed Linda would quit drinking since her abusive ex was gone and they were hopeful that their home life would improve. Mm -hmm. But it didn't. And apparently the drinking just kept getting worse. And at first it was really devastating to them. But then it just quickly grew to be really irritating because they, like in their eyes, their mother was wasting all of the family's money on booze and just being drunk, not around. Mm -hmm. And they were just like getting sick of it. I I don't like that now I can can see two sides of this story and understand. Don't make me sympathize with people here. You (laughs) promised me monsters and people who get what they deserve. If If you murder your mother, you are a monster. That's true. Monster, not the fun monsters, not the Lady Gaga monsters. You're a little shit. That's what you are. Yeah, they're little turds. Little piss ants. Little stinky emojis. Little poo emojis. But here, here, how's this? The money, like money, how they would focus on that. Like, oh my god, mom just keeps buying booze and wasting all the family's money. Like, money was really important to the sisters. Like, they were openly jealous of their friends' lifestyles and unhappy that they didn't have the things that their friends did. Like. Literally, they were jealous, like, well, we don't have a swimming pool and all our friends do. And like, oh, our, that level. Our, our clothes are not as nice as our, as their clothes are. Like, we, I wish we had nicer clothes. All right. I get, I get the clothes because then you're, because you, you got to go to school. Like, you can get bullied for that, I guess. I don't know. I've never really seen anyone bully for it, but I know that it's a thing. But a fucking swimming pool. I know. <laughs> Priorities, guys. I guess I can see the nicer clothes things too, to an extent, especially because like this is Mississauga and, 
usually in the GTA, you a lot of people are well off. What do you mean you don't have apple bottom jeans? I bet she doesn't boots, even have boots the with the fur. fur. The whole room weren't looking at her. Her mom goes down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Fuck me. Right? <laughs> it's fine. We'll cut it. No, we won't. Okay. <laughs> Fucking decals over here. <laughs> Saw an opportunity. I took it. That's good. That's good. Got to take those. Mm-hmm. Before we jump into this is a roller coaster because it's gonna be like, oh haha, these girls are shit. Oh god, that's shit. Ugh. Yeah, I can I can get a sense of that's where it's going. Okay, well, sorry about it. Sandra claimed she was physically and sexually abused as a child. And when she was twelve years old, she confided in a priest at a summer Bible camp about it. But he never reported it or expressed much concern for her safety. And instead, this is this is shit. He instead suggested that she just confront her abuser. And she claims that she also confided in this fucking priest about her mother's alcoholism and the problems it was causing. She said that her and Beth were responsible for watching their younger brother. Their mother would often drive drunk with her and her siblings in the car. And she had lost one of her jobs. So their house lacked basic necessities due to the lost income. She also claims that she went to different family members looking for help, but no one intervened. She said she even tried to report the abuse to the Children's Aid Society, but allegedly nothing came of that either. Oh, my God. Okay, so Children's Aid Society for our American listeners is the same as your Child Protective Services. Mm-hmm. CPS is our CAS. Yeah. And again, like, I don't know, I assume later down the road, especially like in the trial or whatever the fuck, they could have like hopefully cooperated this and been like, oh, there was reports to cas uh i don't know though and like we don't have linda here to be like what the fuck like (laughs) i was trying like i'm sorry that i couldn't buy you a swimming pool yeah and i mean there's a ton of people who grow up with parents who have a dependency on drugs or alcohol Mm -hmm. there's also a ton of kids who grow up and they're responsible for their younger siblings Mm -hmm. and don't have the nicest clothes or swimming pools but they're not fucking plotting to murder their mother because they're sick of it yeah like it's just outrageous some of this is absolutely incredibly sad especially if it is true that she was being physically and sexually abused that is really hurtful and detrimental to a child if she's trying to go for help or tell people about it and everyone is like listen like stop complaining things could be better like yeah, could I wanna, be worse. i want to smack that priest on the Me back of the head too. Like, what the fuck are you thinking Oh, just go and confront him. Yeah, uh, fucking child. Go confront... 12 years old. Yeah, go confront this drunken alcoholic mm-hmm. who's who's prone to violence. Oh, you don't like it? You and who has already sexually assaulted you. So, yeah. enjoy. You know, good luck. And then didn't report it or anything? Like, that's fucked. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Fucking, that drives me insane. Why the fuck is the priest not saying anything <laughs> why isn't the priest saying anything you'd think a priest would say something about <laughs> child sexual abuse <clears throat> just, he's probably like just tell your mom to shuffle them around <laughs> we'll transfer him to brampton don't worry <laughs> it's too easy it's too, they had it coming that's what you get you have a fucking track record of that okay. so it sounds like this is going to be one of those really difficult kind of stories where you're not gonna have that fun like this person 
deserves everything that comes to them, you're going to have a bit of a conflicting feeling about this because mm-hmm. so far this is The whole thing is just all a, is messy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have, you have this woman who is, I bet, trying her best. Obviously, it's hard to add like an alcohol dependency on top of it. But and you have these kids, you're trying to support them. You you keep getting bad partners, abusive alcoholic partners. Yeah. You have these kids who wish they had a swimming pool, <laughs> yeah. but they also are going through their own problems because they're also being abused. Yeah. And yeah, so it is definitely a hard one when you're like, okay, I empathize completely. I sympathize in a lot of cases, but at the end of the day, you can't murder your mother. Yeah, you still can't do that. He's, so he's yeah, like you can it. sympathize, but like there is a price to pay for cold-blooded. It's cold. Hold your own mother's head under the water and drown Not her. Cold-blooded. It's a bath. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably an ice bath because they're evil. Sandra said at this point, her and Beth felt helpless and they were becoming very upset with their lives. So they began researching ways to kill their mother. Natural next step. I'm disappointed with this life. Let's murder. They thought by killing her, they would be entitled to a $133,000 life insurance payout. They decided they would collect the money and spend it on a trip to Europe with their friends. Oh my God. The sisters continued their research and decided drowning their mother was the best option because it was, quote unquote, fast and unspectacular. So they were going to kill their mother because she's blowing all the money on, on, uh, on just wasting all the money. So their plan is to kill the, mo- the mother, get the payout, and then blow the money. It sounds like about a 15, 16-year-old logic, right? Yeah, the, the kind of <laughs> logic from the teenagers who get upset because they don't have a pool like their friends do. Just wait. There's other times here when you're like, what the fuck? You're directly hypo- like being a hypocrite right now. Yeah. So after formulating the murder plan, Sandra and Beth told some of their friends about it, all of which encouraged the sisters and laughed at the idea of murdering Linda. Everyone they told was like, yeah, I I think that makes sense. You should do it. This sounds like Mean Girls if it was a horror movie. If it was a yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So the sisters settled on a day to commit the murder, Saturday, January 11th, 2003. Mm-hmm. But they didn't follow through because they realized, you know, it, it didn't really work for them. That weekend... A group of their friends had planned to go out and they didn't really want to disrupt the plans by having to like cry and go to a funeral and act devastated that their mother was dead. So yeah. they were like, yeah, let's just move the plans to the following weekend but those instead. Plans have been a great alibi. <laughs> 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 so the following weekend, Saturday, January 18th, mm-hmm. is when Sandra and Beth murdered their mother by giving her that vodka T3 cocktail. So that she was inebriated enough to not fight back. And then they drowned her in the tub, which, you know, so I kicked off the episode. (laughs) I'm just shocked that they were like, our mother used to be a pilot. Now she's like a stereotypical drunk pilot. (laughs) And I don't see how they didn't put two and two together that you just need to rekindle that aviation flame and problem solved. You don't need to do anything. (laughs) Maybe it's different because she's in Mississauga now. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe in Poland it was like, oh, you can... Take shots behind the wheel. <laughs> well, it makes sense, you know. They use that for their 
Uh, anti-frost as well, so it works. Oh, God. Anti-freeze, Jesus Yeah, Christ. I was like, eh, it's fine. I'm Canadian. I swear to God I'm Canadian. We know. <laughs> Deckles. Thanks. <laughs> so over the next year, Sandra spoke freely about the crime to her friends online, writing in one conversation. Obviously, it can be debated whether I did it right or wrong, but I did it anyway. This is going to be a hard one for me. Sandra wasn't limited to speaking about the crime online, though. She drank heavily during this time, and she'd get loaded at parties and talk about the crime to anyone who would listen, even random people. Really? Even random people? What would you do, Brianna, if you were just at a at a party, a house party, and you're all excited? Because it's probably like one of the, like, what, out of, like, five in your entire life you've been to. And then someone comes up and goes... I drowned my mother in a bathtub. I love that you're assuming recently. I've only been to five parties. No, like, I just, all right, I'm out in myself. If I'm a teenager, <laughs> I'm probably not going to, like, hundreds of these yet. I'm only, I'm only going to be at, like, you know, a few. It's very By the time rare. I was 17, I had be, I would party, like, every weekend. Go to parties All right, every well, that weekend. didn't come for me until university, so. <laughs> but, yes, if I was at a party and someone was, like, sick of listen, listen. Listen to this. I and me and my sister, we fucking drowned my mother in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. She's a stupid drunk. I would be like, aren't you fucking wasted right now? You murdered your mother because she was a drunk. And now you're getting loaded at every party and telling everyone this. But I couldn't have a pool. But I didn't have a pool. So I swimming in my own vodka now. <laughs> I want to drown her. Yeah. <laughs> fucking brutal. But this, it was her downfall because Sandra ended up talking about the crime to a guy at a party who later went to the Peel Regional Police with the details of how I, Linda's murder wasn't an accidental drowning, but a premeditated murder carried out by her own piece of shit daughters. Good. That's what I was hoping for. Honestly, for a second there, I thought you were going to tell me she ended up just blabbering <laughs> it to a cop. That's what I thought you were going to tell me. She's walking down the street and they're like, we're, we're going to take you home because you're fucking 17 and drunk. Well, seems to be the officer problem. I killed my mother. What's up? What seems to be the officer problem? <laughs> I've got your badge number. <laughs> I've got badge number. I've gone to superior. What do you think of that officer dickles? <laughs> Deckles. Deckles. So following this guy's report, the police provided him with a car that was wired, and the sisters were recorded describing their respective roles in Linda's murder. Because, you know, they fucking will talk about it to literally anybody. Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous to me. Like, I know that they... I, I know that they're young and stupid. Stupid enough to kill their mother because they don't have a pool and shit. <laughs> I'm not letting that go. Um... <laughs> That's why I mentioned it, because it's absurd. But they, they were smart enough to look up how to do this and didn't get caught while looking it up, right? Because they sound stupid enough to get caught looking it up. Mm-hmm. But nowhere did they read, after you murder someone, rule number one, shut the fuck up. I know, but I think that they, it, I don't know, maybe it helped that even before they killed Linda... 
they were telling all of their friends about it anyway. Who were and they, all her friends were encouraging her, uh, encouraging the sisters. Like, yeah, you should do that. That's a great idea. Wear gloves, or it'd be funny, or she deserves it, or whatever. Yeah. And then it is just wild that it took. Uh, it was over a year before one of these people were like, "What the fuck? I'm going to the police." Yeah, it that took way too long. Exactly. Everyone hearing that, like, if I heard that once, I'd be like. I would at least I would my I think my first step wouldn't be like I'm immediately going to the cops. My my first step would be like to go to my friend and be like, "Hey, I heard this. Is this a thing?" Yeah, like, has anyone else heard her fucking say this before? Oh, that's just Sandra. Don't worry about it. She's yeah. Probably and then, did I, it. then I would be like, "Is her mother actually dead?" Yes. Oh, okay. All right. I'm actually going to the cops then because that's really fucked up. It is fucked up. Yeah. So, like I said, just over a year after the murder, Sandra and Beth were arrested, and it was on January 21st, 2004. The sisters acted as though they couldn't care less about any of it and appeared unwilling or maybe unable to grasp the severity of their crime. They basked in the media limelight to the point that Sandra posted nude photos of herself online just for, like, that little added sensationalism. Uh, Underage. Mm-hmm. So that's an extra charge <laughs> <laughs> now. Yeah, well, they're Canada justice system. They're probably like, whatever, just no. delete it. <laughs> oh my God, well, maybe. <laughs> and then when the trial was underway and um, autopsy testimony was being given in the courtroom, the sisters were just sitting together and like giggling and laughing throughout all of it. Because it's so funny. It's so funny. Oh my God. It's hilarious. So their trial took place in the fall of 2005. So that's when the trial took place, though. So if she posted nude, nude um, photos during this time, she might have been just turning 18. 18. Yeah. So let's hope. That's stupid regardless, yeah, but yeah. maybe. Yeah, because the judge is not going to be happy about that, period. Mm-mm. You do not want to... You do not want the judge to think you just sensationalized the case because he's going to be so pissed. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, fall of 2005, the trial took place over an eight-week period, and it was around this point that the sisters were dubbed the bathtub girls by the media. This is also when the pseudonyms Linda, Beth, and Sandra were first used. So since they were under the age of 18, their identities are protected under the Youth Criminal Justice, Justice Act. And the whole rationale of that act is to help ensure the possibility of their rehabilitation and reintegration into society as adults and not, like, compromise the public safety for of them or for anyone that's associated with them. So their real names are available if you go looking for them. Uh, but I've decided to continue using the pseudonyms, like, as much as I'd love to fucking put their, them on blast with their real names. But protected under the act and there's a few other reasons that yeah, and that's just shit neither of us need right now <laughs> yeah but yeah like it, it'll take you fucking five seconds to find their real yeah names. and also it sounds like they absolutely love the limelight so fuck them mm. yeah no you don't get it plus they're probably like their real names at the time that they did this i'm sure now they have like new names oh you think they changed them i would hope so but who knows know, at this point real stupid so far i know since their real names weren't allowed to be published, journalist Bob Mitchell, who closely followed the case and trial, created the aliases in an effort to protect their identities when he was writing a book about the murder titled 
That's a long title. The Class Project. How to Kill a Mother. The true story of Canada's infamous bathtub girls. The Class Project. Thank you for pointing that out. You're welcome. <laughs> the Class Project was chosen as part of the title because during the trial is when it was all revealed how so many of the sisters' friends and peers knew about the murder, encouraged it, and participated in varying ways. Oh, okay. So that's so they why weren't... he called it the class project. So like, uh, well, I would consider hearing someone say, I've killed my mother and not doing anything about it or even questioning it to be participating. But it sounds like there's more to that. It's worse than that. A little bit, yeah. Yay. Well, I mean, it's even think back to the beginning when it was like, okay, well, good luck. Wear oh, gloves. Yeah. Wear the gloves. Thing. Wear gloves. And also they had tea. She had got drugged with T3s. Where did they come from? Oh, you want to find out? <laughs> Honestly, I just thought they came from the mother. I really did. I, I thought know. like maybe she had like back pain. Who? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's why it was called the class project. So good pointing that out. Thanks. One of the murderer's friends explained to the judge that we knew what was happening. We were not helpless teenagers. We all could have taken a phone and reported the murder, but we didn't. Gee, dang it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thanks, tips. So more evidence was provided to the court that came from a computer the investigators had seized from the Anderson home. The computer contained chats between Sandra and Beth and their friends, which detailed criminal planning. The conversations were, they were like lighthearted. Uh, they were full of emojis and smiles and jokes. But every single conversation was revolving around how to kill Linda. Was it on MSN Messenger? Oh, of course. <laughs> I actually don't know, but I just assume it's fucking at this time, 2003. Probably yep. talking about it in 2002. Like, it was probably MSN. Yeah, I was having flashbacks for a minute there. Yep. Yep. Uh, so one of these chats um, took place a week before the murder. It was between Beth and her boyfriend. And it actually served as evidence to accuse the boyfriend of conspiracy. Oh. So he said, your mom has Tylenol 3, right? You should include them in the game plan. In the game plan. He then suggested ways that they could mislead the police suggesting that they go out and they buy movie tickets for an hour before the murder took place to create a paper trail, followed by, I'm involved this much, so, like, I'm willing to help you out with any of it. Well, <laughs> it's wild. A lot of good fucking help he ended up being, because even <laughs> I would have been like, okay, let's say I'm stupid enough to do that. I'd be like, yeah, why don't we get movie tickets an hour before... You go home and do whatever you do. Meanwhile, I'll buy dinner somewhere else for two. And then I'll just corroborate saying you were there. Yeah. I'll make it a takeout dinner and say we ate in the car. I mean, I'm not helping with the <laughs> a murder in the future. If you do that, uh, copy written. I also. Uh, I owe you owe me a portion of that $130,000. You could say you owe me a portion of that Jack Astor's dinner. <laughs> mm, mm. Well, that too. That's in my closet. But Have you been there? I've never been there. Jack Astor's, yes. Is it good? No, what is it like? special. Well, what is it like? It's like, like Montana's. Oh, ew. Yeah. It's like one of those just like, it's not fancy eating, but like, you know, they kind of dress it up to make it feel like it's it's trying to be. It's, it's like a, so it's not it's even a business like, casual type deal. Yeah. It's like yeah. corporate lunch. <laughs> yeah. it's a cor That's a perfect example. It's a corporate <laughs> lunch. 
Yeah, it's called Jack Astors. It's like, it's like if they go. Is like, it the picture of like the the donkey, like ass? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, it's like an Applebee's. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it goes, mon. Okay, there's Moxie's, which is right up there, is like pretty higher class for like a corporate takeout. What about the and keg? Then and, and then the keg's just under it. Okay. And then you have montana's and then jack astor's okay well i feel like you have a lot and then you have- yeah <laughs> i don't okay. like montana's so i don't think i would like jack astor's no you wouldn't where does swish la fit in there because to me i love swish la swish la is lower because swish la is <gasps> like takeout food really whatever <laughs> you still want me to take you on a date to red lobster <laughs> <laughs> i like red lobster i can't believe it yeah this guy won't take me on any dates yes i do <laughs> <laughs> Take you out to sushi. Take you I out paid. To, I took you out to sushi the other time. I love rattling you. You take me on dates and you buy yeah. me nice things and you're loving and supportive. I literally bought you a fur coat for Christmas. <laughs> and I look like Carmel Soprano. Yeah. <laughs> we have fun. Yeah, but I take would. me out to Red Lobster. I would like it. What do you say? You want, you want me to be more high maintenance? Okay, I will. No. <laughs> I'm gonna. Give me a swimming pole. Give me a bib. <laughs> I need one, actually, because when we had lobster and I yeah. ruined my dress. Yeah, that's why they give you bibs well, when you Well, I lobster. never had lobster before. Yeah. That was the first time I ever had lobster. Yeah, if you go to a restaurant, they actually pull out like a bib. Well, I should have had a bib. Yeah. Because I ruined my dress with butter. But you love my lobster, right? You love my lobster. You like you love me lobster, don't ye? <laughs> the lighthouse, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Hell of a movie. <laughs> it was a lot. My favorite was how Willem Dafoe kept farting. Yeah, that really did. <laughs> I was gonna say save the movie, but no, it didn't. <laughs> so. It helped. Okay, one. What the hell was I? Okay, yeah. So this piece of shit boyfriend who's like i'm involved this much so i'm willing to help you out with it <laughs> adrian <laughs> so obviously in the court size this showed his level of participation and he stood trial as well so sandra testified that he is the one who supplied the t3s used to drug linda and another witness testified that he the boyfriend was part of the alibi that allowed the girls to evade arrest for more than a year mm-hmm Ultimately, by the end of the trial, Justice Bruce Duncan was convinced Sandra and Beth were guilty of killing their mother, and he convicted them of first-degree murder. He said, They carried out the plan with chilling detachment. The two set out to commit the perfect crime, but instead, they created the perfect prosecution. The case against them is overwhelming. It is probably the strongest case I have ever seen in over 30 years of prosecuting, defending, and judging criminal cases. Yeah, because they were so fucking brazen about it. Yeah, well, he clearly wasn't impacted that much, because just wait. The boyfriend was also found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder, and he received an 18-month sentence, sentence which he later appealed. How did, how so, did that go? So... I'm glad you asked. Yeah. So he appealed it. And then so it went to the Supreme Court of Canada and they ended up dismissing the appeal and upheld the conspiracy conviction. But they did reduce the sentence from the 18 
18 months that he was originally sentenced, reduced it down to eight months confinement and four months under supervision. What a joke. So it's conspiracy charges are often uh, difficult to prove and how the court approaches them actually varies from province to province. So, for example, Alberta and Quebec typically take a narrower approach and limiting conspiracy charges to people who aid or abet in the commission of the agreed upon crime. Whereas places like British Columbia and Ontario, they typically take a broader approach, expanding the charges to people who knowingly do something to make it easier for the conspirators to commit the crime. Okay. So just knowing about it and not doing anything to stop it means you're guilty. Mm-hmm. In places like BC or Ontario. Yeah. Whereas if you were in like Alberta or Quebec, you have to actually physically help with the commission of the agreed upon crime. So like even if he goes like, I'll I'll be your alibi. That's not enough? Um, not really. Oh my God. That's terrible. Well, yeah, it is because you're abetting. Yeah, it is. Okay. So... Oh, you if know what? He made that suggestion, but they didn't do it, right? What? Because he was like, oh, let's go out to, to the movies before so that you have like a alibi. That's not that's not a betting. Yes, it is. Yeah. So like I would I would have given him so much more time for that. He's also a, a youth. I would have given him so much fucking time for that. I, I don't know. care. <laughs> I would have been. I would have been like, you literally called this a game. You said it was a game plan. Game, I know. You should include like, this in your game plan. Like, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I would have put him, I would have, if I didn't put him behind bars for very long, I would have put him on, um, uh, oh, what's it called? Where you're volunteering. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I would have, but I would have made him do that for at least six years. Like some sort of community service yeah, or something. Yeah, community service. For six years, at least. Yeah, so he was a rich. He got from that Justice Duncan eighteen months. Appealed it. Yeah. They gave him eight months confinement, then four months under supervision. So the sisters, like I said, they had also been found guilty. So now we enter the sentencing phase of the trial. Mm-hmm. So, although the sisters were fifteen and sixteen when they committed the murder, their age actually didn't automatically mean that they would be sentenced as youth under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. If the crime merits a harsher punishment, young offenders can be sentenced as adults. But again, this all comes down to the the judge or justice presiding over the case Mm -hmm. and what material evidence whatever is offered up. So knowing this, the Crown attempted to have the sisters given an adult sentence, which is life in prison with no chance of parole for at least 10 years for Sandra and five to seven years for Beth. Okay. But after a lengthy sentencing phase, Justice Duncan wasn't convinced the girls deserved an adult sentence. Though he agreed the sisters had carried out the plan with chilling detachment, he felt a youth sentence of 10 years with a six year incarceration maximum was sufficient to hold them accountable for murder. Oh. Okay. So six years max yeah so you might not even serve six years yeah yeah 
So with that, in June 2006, Justice Duncan imposed a youth sentence against the sisters of six years in custody and four years under community supervision instead of a youth as adult sentence. About this decision, he said, They suffered a level of poverty that was not in keeping with their mother's relatively good income. The home atmosphere was depressing and degrading. The sisters were separated and they were forbidden to communicate with each other while in jail. I know for sure that Beth was sent to a medium security unit called the Grand Valley Institution for Women. That's in Kitchener. Okay. I don't know where Sandra went. I don't know if they would go to the same place. I don't think that that would make sense, but I mean, none of this fucking makes sense at this point. Yeah. So... So, Sandra and Beth were eligible to apply for parole on October 29th, 2009, with their mandatory release after serving two-thirds of their sentence, which would make the release date March 11th, 2013. Under the terms of their sentencing, the sisters can only spend a maximum of six years behind bars, with the remainder of their sentence under a form of community supervision, such as being in a halfway house or something where they can be monitored. Okay. Uh, their father actually attempted to have Beth released into his custody so that he could complete her sentence oh, under house no. arrest in their hometown, but this was unsuccessful. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, he like literally abandoned them when they were kids. Yeah. So uh, by March of 2009, Beth sought release from prison so that she could live in an Ottawa halfway house and go to university. But Peel Deputy Crown Attorney Mike Cantlon opposed it. Are you serious? His name is Mike Cantlon. I'm pretty sure I have a relative in that is a crown attorney. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, now you got to figure that one out. And Steph and I were looking up pictures and we were like, oh, shit. Actually, I can see the resemblance to like All right. to like Tim. So, so I'm going to badmouth the shit out of this attorney, guys. <laughs> no, he's good. I'm kidding. Yeah, as far as I have this case, at least. I don't know. I never fucking heard of the guy until right now. <laughs> completely unrelated it was because so, i had told um like i put in the instagram uh story um this case or the history of the amber alert mm-hmm. and people chose this one and steph saw it and she was like oh shit like i actually know this case and the prosecutor his last name's Cantlon, so people have asked me if we're related. And I was like, what the fuck? I've never heard of this case before. Oh, wow. And never even heard of this guy. So yeah. she's like sending me pictures of being like, yeah, this is his information. This is his face. <laughs> That'd be so weird if you are related. Well, it's such a fucking dumb last name. Like, <laughs> who else has this last name? I don't know. It's Mike Cantlon. So... Yeah, that's funny, eh? Yeah, your face really was strange. so your face was just like Are you being serious right now? You're yeah, fucking with me. Are you fucking were you just checking if I'm listening or not? Like <laughs> the fuck was that? <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah, like I said, Beth, she wanted to get released so that she could live in an Ottawa halfway house and go to university. And Mike Cantlon was like, mm-mm. No. He actually cited Dr. Janine Cutler's assessment, who was a psychologist that was um, assigned to give them mental assessments and everything like that while they're in prison. So, quote, 
She needs major psychological counseling because she's stuck in the same emotional and psychological state. She is still in the offensive cycle and exhibiting the same pattern of behavior she did prior to the murder. She lies and manipulates until she gets what she wants. She's yet to deal with many childhood and family issues or the triggers that led to her role in the in her mother's murder. She has little empathy for others. She sees herself above others, gets annoyed and irritated easily, needs to always be in control, has distorted thinking, is very demanding, and refuses to see things from other others' points of view. Oh, go off. Goddamn. Yeah. So that was the doctor's assessment. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't hold anything back there, eh? Yeah. Dr. Janine Cutler was, like, cutting oh, her down. Oh, she. Sorry. Excuse me. It's okay. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'll I'll accept your apology on Janine's behalf. I'm canceled. I'm, can- I'm canceled, <laughs> and I'm sorry about it. I'm cantlawned. My bad. I'm ca- I'm getting cantlawned. <laughs> so Crown Attorney Mike Cantlawn and yeah. Brian McGuire successfully are the ones who sex successful. Okay, fucking hell, <laughs> Brian, Mike, Mike and Brian had sex. Literally, that's what it sounded like. I was gonna say. Wow. Oh, we're this taking a case turn. Is off the wall. Oh, Mike, Jesus Christ. And the couch and the fridge and the <laughs> kitchen floor. <laughs> Crown attorney Mike Cantlon and Brian McGuire successfully prosecuted Sandra and Beth. And during their hearing, they revealed to the court that a recent risk assessment indicated Beth insisted she didn't even play an active role in her mother's murder. She only admitted to being in the house, but Sandra is the one who did the actual murder. She's the one who did it all. He he added that she still has the opinion that her former boyfriend also didn't play any sort of role in the murder, despite the fact that he was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder. So despite the Crown's oppositions, Sandra was released to a halfway house in 2009, and Beth was released in 2010 with court-ordered restrictions on their activities including dating, and they were banned from using alcohol and drugs. So 2009 and 2010, and they went to jail in 2006? Mm. Crazy. Yeah. Three years. Sandra was in jail for three years. Yeah. And Beth for four. For murder. For first first degree murder. For fucking calculated murder and covering it up. Mm-hmm. And bragging about it for a full year. Mm-hmm. So in the recent year, like in the um, in the years following her release, Sandra graduated from the University of Waterloo, where she studied geophysics, and she even received a two thousand dollar scholarship that was donated by some businessman. It blows my mind that these these two were smart enough to go to university. They apparently were actually very smart, like just book smart and everything, and they just were completely little stupid. monsters. Yeah, I would say, okay, this is the perfect example of like the difference between like book smart and fucking actually like intelligent mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Like I met so many stupid people at university. I learned that. Oh God, yeah. But holy shit, does this just drive the point home? It's actually so I can think of a few people off the top of my head who are like really wicked, like book smart. Yeah. But like I wouldn't ever want them for any sort of like life experience moment yeah, or like anything. Completely not functional. No. Yeah, yeah. They're like just a ditz. And you're like, how the fuck are you so smart? It's because they're smart on in paper, like one thing. But like I can't then... even take you out because you just go in circles. Yeah. 
They, <laughs> usually it just boils down to they can write an essay pretty well. And then yeah, it's a great, I'm... great. I'd actually rather be able, be able to go in the streets and have my wits about me, but thanks. In the streets? You just wonder where the fuck they drive or how they shop. <laughs> I just mean being out. (laughs) Um, so yeah, she got that scholarship from some businessman. I don't know who he is. They they said his name, Andreas Cordson. No, I fucking idea who that is. But he gave her two thousand dollars. She has at least one child, and she apparently has undergone years of therapy. And she says that she still has nightmares from her troubled childhood and whatever. She's working on it. Okay. In the years following Beth's release, she's reportedly a married mother with at least one child who studied law (laughs) at the University of Ottawa. She worked as an articling student for a Toronto criminal defense lawyer in 2015 and is now a lawyer herself. You're kidding. In Toronto, she is a lawyer. I mean, like, that's probably the only job you could have gotten away with after doing this i assume she's probably a defense lawyer she must be and what better pitch to your client is that listen i literally murdered my own mother you know what she's probably (laughs) she's probably a dui defense lawyer (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) ex-copper Um, Sandra actually did an interview with Global News in November 2020 to expose her truth of her unimaginably bad childhood and her prolonged sexual abuse at the hands of a person close to the family. Beth Beth declined to be interviewed. Oh, okay. But Sandra was like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Did did Global News put their kid gloves on? Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe her friend texted Global News to put their gloves on. (laughs) Because Jesus Christ, that should not have... Wait, did you say kid gloves? Yeah, when you when you take a when you when you're dealing with a situation and you you decide not to to be very aggressive about it. You put okay, your that's kid what I, on. yeah. So I figured yeah. you said, and that's but I was why making I said a yes. joke about how her friend says oh. said wear gloves. <laughs> well, good luck, wear gloves. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, she did this interview, and she said that she wanted to do this interview to say those words that happened to me after I got arrested, like for the first time ever, probably I said I was sexually abused. She says her story begins with horrific details of physical abuse at the home with her mom's live in boyfriend, Doug physically abusing Sandra's mom, exacerbating her alcoholism. Mm -hmm. She says that she lived in a home where she thought dinner was for special occasions and that she and her sister were left alone to tend to their younger brother. She talks about how she confided in that priest at summer camp. Yeah. And he instructed her to tell her abuser to stop or else she'd tell his mother. So when Sandra did this, the alleged abuser was unafraid. And according to Sandra, he said, go right ahead. And he just came and he never and and he just came and he hurt me and he called my bluff. She also mentions reaching out to her grandparents about her mother's drinking. And they told her, if you excel in school, the problem would be solved. (laughs) What the fuck? At that point, she was like, yeah, okay, I realize now that that's fucking dumb, but... Yeah. You know, at the time when you're a desperate kid, you're like, whatever, okay, I guess I'll try. She states she reported the neglect and abuse to the Children's Aid Society, but she inadvertently, quote, sabotaged the investigators because she was overcome with humiliation and embarrassment and couldn't reveal the depth of what she and her siblings were going through. She, she said, I just hoped that if a little bit was revealed, they'd continue their investigation and rescue us. 
but it just ended. I talked about the drinking, but I guess I should have talked more about the violence. They would have cared more about the violence. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. If that's If that's true, I don't want to say it isn't because I, I don't know, but if that's true, like that is so fucked. Yeah, it's, it's hard because she's a manipulator, but like uh, I'm not just shrugging away someone saying that they they're were being abused because you can't. And, and trying for help and couldn't yeah. get it. Yeah. So about murdering her mother, she said, I thought she's never going to stop drinking. She's going to die from this. I should just kill her because it was like torture being trapped there. It was my tragic mistake and belief that I had that my mom's going to die from drinking. But after the death, like when the pathologist did the autopsy, they found that Linda only had mild cirrhosis of the liver and wasn't she wasn't fatally ill at all. Like if yeah. you are heavily drinking, you're going to have a little bit of cirrhosis. Yeah. But hers wasn't like anything to be really she's going to drop dead or something. Yeah. She wasn't turning yellow. Mm -mm. No. She explained there were many murder plans, but she claimed the initial plan was to collect her mom's insurance money at 18, go to Amsterdam, buy some drugs and a gun and kill herself. That makes sense. Okay. Because, <laughs> all right. So I take back the joking about just. Well, that because that's what they literally said yeah. at that time, though. They said, like when we talked about it originally, they said, we can go to Europe. We'll bring all our friends. It'll be fun. We'll like party. And yeah. now she's saying like, oh, well, this is what I was going to do. Yeah. And like, who knows if that's even true, if she's just saying it. If, yeah. If, if it is true and that's what she was going to do, like, who knows? Who fucking knows? Yeah. Why would you have to go to Amsterdam to buy some drugs and a gun and kill yourself, though? You could, could just do that. I, th I think it I think it was like the last hurrah idea. Maybe. I guess so. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm still conflicted as to like, why did she do this interview? Why did she want to clear it? Like what, what pressures were on her at the time? And like to clarify all this shit. I, d I don't understand that. Me neither. Cause she goes in, in the start of it and she's saying that it's something she has to do like for herself because when she was arrested, it was the first time she ever told anybody that she had been sexually abused. So now she can get out here and tell her story. But she's not only talking about sexual abuse. She's just going off about and what and yeah, literally all, anything. Yeah, and what? But why is she making it public? Like her, it, uh, why is she addressing it to the public? Too. She probably wants the attention. Yeah, that's that's what. Even I'm though trying. her identity's protected, like you can't see her. She's behind like a smoky yeah, like still... glass thing, mm -hmm. and they make her voice different because we're not supposed to know who she really is. Yeah. Well, people people always obviously know. Like you said, you can find out. Yeah. Um, but, which, like, I'm not saying do that, but I mean, I literally, I just, I just found it while I was researching, and I was like, oh shit! So, like, yeah. it's not hard, but I don't know. I think she just, she, but they were obsessed with limelight though during the trial. Yeah, that's and, what I can't And this get over. is the one who did post the nude photos. So yeah, they, they she probably just wanted to get a taste for it. Yeah, they found it a spectacle, and they liked it. Obviously, they were bragging about it the whole time. They, they're manipulative people. And it's just weird to me that, like, after just a certain amount of lull between action, like, you go to prison, things quiet down, that you come back, dra drag it all up again, and then maybe because, tell your anonymous story. I don't understand that. Maybe but, because anyway. in 2020, it would have been, like, she had been totally free and clear because there was, she had to do six years in prison, mm -hmm. but she got out early on parole, but then there was the mandatory four years after 
the six-year sentence in jail that they have to be monitored. Mm-hmm. So that would be up until 2016. Mm-hmm. So then come 2020, maybe she was like, okay, like I'm free and clear. I can just talk. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have I guess. no idea. I don't know. I, I wish they asked. I, I, don't, I wish they asked her like, why are you doing this? She said. Like, like because... no, but like, like really pushed her on it. Like, okay, but like, why? Like, get into detail here. Because like, that's what I was talking about with the kids gloves. Is like, I, I know like responsible reporting they're not going to they're not going to pressure victims and they never should but like there's a huge question here when it comes to someone who's prone to making things a spectacle after Mm -hmm. murdering someone but anyway their own mother yeah their own their own mother so now she claims that she appreciates that um she appreciates now that her mother was a hardworking single parent who juggled two jobs to support her three children and was dealing with her own trauma and addiction. She says she regrets the murder with every shred of her being and wishes her mother was still alive. Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking mm-hmm. hope you regret it. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, Sandra and Beth were released after serving three and four years respectively of their maximum six years of their sentencing which let's not forget let's never forget that they were serving this for first degree murder of their own mother i don't care that they were only in like teenagers they still showed a lot of maturity in the way that they planned it yeah uh then they ended up like being able to go to university after they had great jobs they have children uh there's a lot of debate about it Mm -hmm. um do you want to give your opinion? Like, does this stand as proof that rehabilitation and reintegration into society, the way that the Youth Criminal Justice Act has worked, is this is a victory? Or is it a sign that the justice system is too lenient? No, I don't believe this for a fucking second. No, I'm sorry. No, I don't. It's too short. Mm-hmm. Rehabilitation, I believe, is a thing. And I believe that's the entire point. And if not, then what the fuck are we doing? But you're, uh, how can but you rehabilitate an immature kid in three years? This wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. It's not. Like, I, I can't imagine them going from murdering your mother and then add another year where they're just bragging about it, bragging about it to their friends. They have no scruples at all about being, being murderers at, at all. And for petty shit. And then... The assessment, which is basically saying they're still in this cycle and, you know, I'm supposed to believe that just under 10 years, all of a sudden they're just like, I'm completely rehabilitated. I'm completely sorry. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've completely turned everything. No, I do not fucking believe it. I'm sorry. It's way harder than that. That's what I was going to to say, too, was, OK, fine. If we are going off of how amazing the the system is, it rehabilitated and reintegrated them flawlessly. How can you say they're rehabilitated when the doctor and the crown are literally saying, no, we can't release them. Look how immature they are. Listen to this lengthy assessment where they're saying she literally hasn't changed at all. She exhibits all the same things. And except now she's actually regressing because she's saying she isn't even involved in the murder and her boyfriend wasn't either. Yeah. So like it's not showing any sort of rehabilitation at all. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think that it was, the system is too lenient. Plus, so, then you have the justice. Well, like, what did they even do to re- rehabilitate her? They they just put her in prison. Yeah. 
a medium security women's that's, prison. That's not rehabilitation really though either. Like I didn't hear anything about joining programs, you know, contributing in any way. I know. Nothing. Least... Just they locked her up. She served the time. She came out and she went like, actually, I wasn't that involved. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> are you fucking kidding? And it's frustrating too because Justice Duncan is like in his spiel after he's like, they're guilty. It's like, I know this was horrible. This was cold-blooded. This was awful. They have chilling detachment, blah, blah, blah. So uh, six years, you think? I'll do it. Yeah, six years. But you know you're going to get out fucking early because you're eligible for parole automatically. Yeah. And that was six years max, you said, right? Max. Yeah, like max. If so, even if they didn't get paroled, which they did only three and four years into the sentence, mm -hmm. at six years, they have to be under their um, the next part of their sentencing, which is the four years of monitored release. Right. Which isn't the end of the world no. for someone their age either. It's Plus, not like they're... It's just going to be like, okay, well, once a week or whatever, we have to report to your parole officer and you have to do drug tests. Yeah, well, the irony is and they that's just the court mothering them. I know. And then the one girl gets out <laughs> while she's on this parole and is yep. in university to study law. Yeah. Like, it's all just a clusterfuck. Yeah, it's... I think it's wild that she came out a lawyer. I know! That's actually kind of creepy. And... It is really, yeah, it is. It's a little creepy. It's a little Dex Dexter-esque, <laughs> you know? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, and, and that's the one, that's Beth, that's the one who, the all of the quoting of the assessment from Janine Cutler, it was about her, it was about Beth. Yeah. The one who's like, she has to be in control, she's manipulative, she lies, blah, 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 all these horrible things that you wouldn't lawyer. want anyone to say great about you. <laughs> I know! A defense Fantastic lawyer. lawyer. I, <laughs> she's probably an expensive one, actually, now that I hear that. I know, and we don't really, like, don't know what her, because she has a new name for sure, because when I looked her up in Toronto, mm -hmm. under her real name, there wasn't anything. And mm -hmm. the, the report, uh, like, the follow-up reports or whatever said that she is now, like, married with at least one kid, so maybe she has her husband's last name or something. Or maybe totally changed her name. Who yeah. knows? But yeah, yeah. F fucking lawyer. Just fucking lawyer now. Jesus. That is the crazy case of the bathtub girls slash the murder of Linda Anderson, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It is a crazy story. And those girls are lucky to lead relatively free and normal lives. It's wild that you can plan on murdering your own mother. You can tell your friends about how you want to do it and you're planning to do it. Then you actually do it. You yep. murder your mother. Yep. You get caught. You go to prison. But then you're released into society society again only three years later. Yeah, like, that's, that's scary for <laughs> everyone else. I know. Like, I don't want to walk past this And person. they have all the rights. They're the ones that have their name protected, their identity protected. Makes you want to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I feel dirty. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add? Any thoughts? Two cents? No, I just hope we fix this. I'm tired of hearing about all the stories of these people getting <laughs> such minimal fucking sentences. But I know it's a... So naive. It's a pipe dream. I it know. is a pipe dream. Yeah. It's fucked. Criminals have all the rights. Yeah. Always. Especially in Canada. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. Make sure you rate and subscribe to Dark Adaptation Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Dark Adaptation Podcast and be sure to share the show so we can shout you out like I'm going to do right now. Thank you, Mia, one of my many 
dear Gemini sisters in my life for listening and sharing our little passion project on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is at shadowwolf underscore readings. Check out her page for tarot wisdom and amazing insight on following your guides. She does tarot readings as well. So DM DM her and book a session. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. That was so beautiful. I'm in Broadway next week. Oh, I'm not going. (laughs) I was going to go to Red Lobster later if you're interested. (laughs) The Red Lobster, the musical. So yeah, make sure you share our show and tag us so that we know you shared it. And then we'll shout a homie out, okay? It's okay. pretty good to gig. Just do it. Share the show. Tell your friends. Okay, we love you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you on the dark side. Bye. <laughs>